just another nice mess you've gotten me into. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour of a Friday, first full day of spring. Ordinarily, I would approach that with more alacrity than is the case now for obvious reasons. Let's say hello to bad boy Benny Mathers, who is spraying antiseptic and using hand moisturizer at the board as we speak. Benny, how are you? Oh, so it's very good, Gary. Oh, sorry, I got to remove my mask there for a minute. Uh, I'm doing okay. You know the amazing, doing okay. the amazing news is he got a mask. <laughs> yeah, my beard. That's good for you. I'll tell you what. I talked to Eric Kramer, one of the chieftains of 1150 yes. AM, mm-hmm. AKNW. Yesterday on the phone, he was checking in on us here that in Florida. That was him to do that. It was indeed. And I asked him how everything's going there. And I take it based on his response that the headquarters for Alternative Talk in Seattle is not the usual teeming beehive of productive activity that it usually is. Yeah, the queen or got kicked out. And so there's just a few of us worker bees left. But, you know, it's just exactly what everyone's used to kind of going with the flow. And uh, we're doing our thing. I think it's a lot of, though, you know, we have a, 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 a fairly large sales staff here. And I think a lot of those uh, staff members are parents. And, of course, you know, I'm as well. So we're managing our children who are in school right now. And a lot of those uh, workers are at home and they can still manage the, you know, the business day to day from other desks and or computers where they're not here. So, yeah, you know, it's a little easier to run around the building and not get caught. Yeah, there you go. And I I guess Diana, our friend Diana, isn't yep. even at the front desk. No, no, there's a lot of banging on the glass doors. I'm like, keep it down out there. We got radio shows, you know, to, before we <laughs> oh let them my. in. But overall, we're pretty Yikes. good. <laughs> These are the stories everybody will yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember when I was a your kid. I was in your books day banging on be... glassroom door. <laughs> yeah, books will be written. Mm-hmm. I'm I thinking... was saying to Suzanne just last night that there is a, a kid being born today. There, who in is, 2020. In, okay. in 2020, who at in another uh, oh, 25 years approximately will be working on a PhD dissertation about the coronavirus pandemic and America's response to it. This is history in the writing right now. It just has yet to be fully written, but eventually it will. And this will be an era of American history under serious historical review academically. Right. I 100% feel you on that one. There might be a small little baby boom. What do you think? Oh, not in our household. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought of it too. About yesterday, I'm like, ooh, there might be a yeah. bump up from nine months from now. People are home, <laughs> nothing much to do. Well, girl. <laughs> now that you got me thinking, if you if you get a couple together and some candles lit, and you as long as the internet is running, I can imagine there would be enough inspiration, not to mention instruction, that might assist in a baby boomlet. In another nine months or so, sure, I could see that happening. Suzanne's Let's got some mad props for Susan Harmon, our honored guest of the hour. Let's get to that. We do have her. a guest. Susan Harmon was born in Chicago, same as me, to an <laughs> Army counterintelligence officer and an actress. Her great-grandmother was a well-known Dutch psychic and belonged to the Theosophical Society, which brought Yogananda to the United States. 
Susan lived in occupied Japan as a child, as well as Arkansas in the 50s and in San Francisco in the 60s. She is an activist and has been a supporter of human rights, human rights throughout her life. And we are pleased to call her a friend. Welcome to Manson Mitchell, Susan Harmon. Well, 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 we're back together again, together again. And there's not a whole lot going on in the world right now, so that was why we decided to do this, right? Well, we, well, we need exactly to frame a response what, to right, this. Right, mm. And what we, we called you and said, let's chat about what's going on because there's information, there's misinformation, there are things that are swirling around on the internet and on the television and on radio and everywhere. And so we thought we would just add to the chaos and confusion today by discussing the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, COVID-19, I, I truly believe um, there's a lot uh, around this that is either in conjecture on my part, uh, uh, some of it, and then others that are actual facts. And um, I do want to let the audience know that we're doing something really unusual today. Yes. I, I am a guest on your show. And at noon Pacific time today, you two will be a guest on my show where we will continue this conversation because honestly, it's too much to cover in one hour. That's what we decided. Yeah. So part one and a part two. So part one is we get to ask you the questions and part two is you get to ask us the questions. How's that? Yeah, we're going to, um, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> you know, we're going to just babble away. I mean, that's our, that's our style, right? It is. And hopefully with some sense of trying to provide people not only information and not only comfort, but also some insights into who is doing what about this. Most everybody is glued to the tube as well they should be. They're not going many places. I can tell you, Susan, that I spoke with Eric Kramer, muckety-muck of KKNW yesterday, and he said from his, his shoreside redoubt in Kingston, Washington, he lives not far from the ferry dock there between Kingston and Edmonds, there, and he said that when you look at the traffic reports on TV, ordinarily they have these cars popping up and they have the red mark for congestion, steer clear of this and that area. And he said, Correct. it's all green. Yep. But, yeah. You know, you yeah. can go up and down I-5, up and down 99, 405, but maybe there's not much there when you get wherever you're going. That's the problem. And Times Square is empty. That never happens. 24 hours a day, it's not empty, but it is now. You know, so last, in New York. The yeah. last time I spent this much time concentrated on one thing uh, was probably 9-11. It, it, yeah. it would have been in 2001 where I was kind of glued to the television. And the difference between 9-11 and today is that in 9-11, I, I wasn't overly concerned about my own safety. Uh, I, I knew that a, a terrible thing had happened and potentially there could have been more planes. And in Seattle, they were talking about, you know, was there a plane going to the Space Needle? And I mean, there was a lot of conjecture. Uh, you know, how safe are we? How many more planes are there? Well, as things settled down, 
there was uh, the 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 terribleness, the the tragedy, the the horribleness of the events and the the planes that went down, but it it eventually settled in, and this is just ramping up, and this is not just a, a, an area of Pennsylvania or Washington D.C. or New York. This is countrywide. Every one of the 50 states and so it, it there's an unease well, it's a bit going it's a on. bit more than that suzanne it's not 50 states it's the planet well it is the planet i was thinking about where i live but yes you're yeah. right it is the whole planet well, well that's where we live is and, on the planet and, and it's really time to start thinking that way uh yes because i think gaia is speaking up oh yeah well, I'm not going to cover all of this in, in this hour, if that's all right with you guys. But I had gotten some really good astrological information uh, from my friend, Jeffrey St. Rose. Uh, he was a member. Uh, you, I think you met Jeffrey, uh, Jeff and Billy uh, at uh, the Emerald Spiral uh, over in West Yes. Seattle. Yeah, uh, he does, yeah, yeah, and he's been—he was on my show before. I mean, he, really, they're really a great couple of guys, and um, uh, we've done a lot together. And I—and it's weird because I go—I rarely go onto Facebook. I am not a big Facebook fan, but I'll go on to announce a show or something. And if you—and if something is in the stream when I go on, I see it. Otherwise, people say, "Well, it's on my web. Uh, it's on my Facebook page." I, I don't go to your Facebook page, you know, because. I just don't have time or interest. Anyway, the point being that there was this information from him that was so pertinent uh, astrologically and energetically, but it's it's a lot. And I think that you guys are probably more interested in the, the political economic piece of this thing, uh, which is huge. I mean, it's huge. And um, I, I'll just say this, Uranus is having a big impact and Uranus is the planet of change, people. <laughs> and sudden change. It and can be unwelcome change. change. Yes, there's a sudden well, it, aspect to it. It's unwelcome if you're invested in the status quo. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say more, please. If you are invested in the status quo, the change Uranus brings is not going to make you happy. Because it's a revolutionary, it's a revolutionary planet. It's going to change things big time and in unexpected ways. And if this isn't unexpected, I don't know what is. And it's certainly big time. You know, um, we, we've kind of been left flat-footed. Flat I mean, there's things that, that I find uh, absolutely fascinating that are going on uh, politically. And I think that we should address some of that and, and say, look, People shouldn't profit from a pandemic. Right. Can we say that? Yes, we can say that. All right. So eight people have been arrested in California for selling toilet paper uh, and so forth, right? Black market toilet paper. Black market. There was some guy online selling um, four sheets for $5 or something ridiculous. I mean, first of all, folks, let me just say this about that. Everybody has old towels, right? Do you guys have some towels you don't use, but you keep them around, you know, you're going to use them for rags or whatever? Cut those babies up. Use them in the bathroom. 
throw them in the washing machine. They're not cutting your water off. You don't have need to buy bottles of water. Turn on the tap. It's city water. It's not going to kill you. Do you know what I mean? Buy water. You Use your imagination. Go back to some of the old ways that we did things, right? But what I find fascinating is they're arresting people, little people, selling toilet paper. But it doesn't look like they're doing a whole lot about, like, Richard Burr. I don't know. Did you guys hear about this? No. Okay, Richard Burr is a senator, and he wrote an op-ed for Fox News. Now, AOC has called for uh, his uh, resignation because after he wrote this op-ed telling everybody in America, well, at least everybody who pays attention to Fox News, don't worry about a thing. We've got it all under control. It's great. Sunny, shiny, everything's wonderful. And he then proceeded to sell off between 600000 and $1.72 million in stocks because he knew ahead of time. He just told his donors uh, because of the committees he's on, information that he had that this was going to happen, and he sold all this stuff off. Now, that's criminal. It's not just insider trading. It is bamboozling, I haven't used that word in a long time, bamboozling the American public. Well, people will make money on short sales of stocks as well as buying them, anticipating them going up. And so I think there was billions to be made if you could see the stock market tumbling and you bought short. But that is a, a sophisticated way of participating in the stock market. And the average American who's in a, a 401k exactly. is hoping it's going to go up and is not buying stocks anticipating them going down. We Absolutely. know someone, good friend of ours Absolutely. in Seattle, who anticipates retirement within the next couple of months. What a time. And this lady was telling Suzanne the other night that her IRA took a major hit. So she's having to reassess, though she still intends to retire. This is going on all over the country. Well, you know, and that brings me to my, uh, my other point about the economy, is I just had this conversation a few weeks ago with a, a guy who says, well, you know, the stock market, says, but that's that's my retirement. That's how I'm going to live. And I'm like, well, then then that's not, I said, it's gambling. The stock market is gambling. Do you not understand you're wanting to live off of gambling? And he's looking at me like I'm an idiot. But when we measure our economy by the stock market, it's a false equation. You need to measure it by workers' wages. Are people surviving in the working class? No, they're not. That's the measurement of a good or bad economy, not the stock market. And so as long as we continue to say, well, the stock market's doing this, the stock market is doing that, it makes us sound so sophisticated, but it's not real. No, and you know, I, I felt like it was very overblown and overpriced. And yet I didn't get out of it in time. So, you know, I have my, my IRA dipping and doing all that stuff. And I'm just going to sit and wait till it all comes back. I can remember many, many years ago, my mom saying to me that the stock market was legalized gambling. Exactly. And, uh, and, and who wins? The house wins. The house always wins. House Unless always you're Donald wins. Trump, and then you're such a freaking idiot that you 
<laughs> you know, that you even lose that owning a casino because you're such a bad businessman. Sorry, I just had to bring that in. Well, let uh, me go ahead. You gave me an opening, Susan. I wanted to go ahead and mention this. Now, has this been verified? No, it's being reported overseas, and it is worth noting and certainly worth investigating. But let me read this to you. This is from a website called Raw Story. German lawmakers and government officials voiced outrage at reporting Sunday that the Trump administration is seeking to secure exclusive rights to a potential coronavirus vaccine being, oh developed, being developed by the German firm CureVac as the pandemic spreads and takes lives across the globe. The story continues. The German newspaper Welt am Sonntag, citing an anonymous German government official, reported Sunday that the Trump administration offered CureVac $1 billion to hand the U.S. exclusive rights to a potential COVID-19 vaccine. And it continues, Trump wants the vaccine, quote, only for the USA, unquote, the German official said. The New York Times confirmed late Sunday that the Trump administration attempted to persuade CureVac to move its research to the U.S., offering the company what one German official described as a large sum of money. There are people who are wondering if a lot of this delay, especially it could be about the testing, but in terms of a vaccine, it's an ugly thing to even contemplate. But there are many people wondering if Donald Trump personally seeks to profit <laughs> from what science eventually produces and to make it available only within the USA. That's mind boggling. Uh, well, I guess the days of Dr. Salk, uh, Salk uh, and the polio vaccine that he said everyone should have, that he was not going to keep it for himself, that it should go out to anybody and everybody because he was a healer. Uh, yeah. So um, Donald Trump is, was, and always will be a con man. And if you still think that a man who would will, willingly, knowingly withhold life-saving medication to the world for his own profit, then there's something really wrong with you. Really, really wrong with you. I let that hang heavily in the air. That's the sort of thing that people either recognize or question if it might be true, or outright deny. How could you possibly say such a thing about our president? And then you <laughs> read. I go on Twitter every day, and I read this morning from one of Georgia's senators, the uh, lady senator there, who said, now is not the time for partisanship. We face this grave crisis in so many words. This is affecting all of us. We must set aside partisanship and come together I love when they say that on the Republican side, because when Barack Obama was president, they wouldn't let up for a minute, no matter what the issue was, even if they had to make up issues. Uh, yeah, and I don't even want to go there because I don't want to rehash the old stuff. I want to look to what we do now and move forward. And um, honestly, it is time to let go of our bitterness and our anger and all that. That doesn't mean fall in line that far. You know, one of the reasons I love Bernie Sanders so much is a reporter asked him the other day, well, you know, are you going to stay in the presidential race? And he uses used an expletive, you know, beginning with the letter F. I'm dealing with a worldwide crisis. 
<laughs> in other words, he's saying, that is so unimportant. Me running for the president is not important. Us taking care of a pandemic is. That's what we need. That's called leadership. That's called caring about everyone on the planet. And if you if you're like, well, my tribe is better than your tribe, which leads me to another thing that uh, is in the news. And it's really uh, discouraging because we have a president who refers to this as the China virus. And now Asians are being attacked. I don't think I heard that. Oh, well, well, then pay attention, honey, because Well, yeah, the China happening. virus, Donald Trump. China I've heard that, China but virus. I didn't know. And he's he called it the, the yeah, the, the, the Kung flu. Uh, so no, but the Asians. Attack. No, I'm talking physical violence to Asians in our country. Where is this Where happening? Where is this happening? It's happening in New York. It's happening in California. It's happening where Asians live. I, I don't know that it's happened in Seattle as yet, because we've got a lot of Asians there. But uh, take a look. It's it's uh, it's on the internet. It was on uh, uh, what's a Nightline? Is that the uh, news thing? I think it's on ABC. What uh, Jimmy night. Kimmel? What uh, what channel? ABC. 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 Yeah. Uh, last last night I watched that on the attacks against Asians. Yeah, we are attacking in this country. That's part of the racism. You know, it's part of the racism. And take a look at it, uh, and the and it starts. You know the fish. What is it? The fish stinks from the head. You know. Well, this is this is why I bring up this aspect of it, and of course, I mean this is such a well-rounded crisis. You can look at it from about any angle, there. But this is presidential election year. We're going to elect a governor in Washington State. Okay, so. Americans come together, et cetera. Of course, we need to come together. And what will be the turnout in November? Because we got to vote. Somebody's got to lead. Now, are you satisfied with the administration's efforts? Are you satisfied in your state? We have people listening online with your governor, with your senator, with your member of the House of Representatives. At some point, as a patriotic American citizen, you're called upon to make a choice. Yeah, but, and and are you being offered ab realistic choices? I mean, I will say this for Governor Inslee. Uh, I agree with him on some things, not on others, but, I, but he has asked that a Navy hospital ship uh, be brought uh, to the coast uh, in Washington State. I mean, I will say this in Seattle, they're building triage places. They are really, you know, proactive in trying to help people. Uh, my daughter is a dental hygienist in Seattle, and they just shut all dental offices down this past week for three weeks. That is so interesting, too, because three days ago I went to the dentist. I confirmed that I still had an appointment. It was just a cleaning and a usual exam there. But I went there, and the first thing that I saw approaching the door was everyone must wash their hands upon entering so instead of saying hello to them, I was directed to the restroom where I washed my hands and I came back holding them up like a surgeon who's been prepped there <laughs> in order to uh, sit in the dentist chair. And I applaud them for that because Absolutely. they're trying to serve their patients, their clientele, while being as safe for everybody's sake. And I thought very well of doing that. But there are states now where dental offices are just closing down. Well, um, I will. I want to share this. I shared it last week on my show, and it's something that 
in December, my daughter, who's been a dental hygienist for 10 years, and she's really good at her at her job because she loves it. You can go to a cocktail party with this woman and she'll start talking about teeth. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> this is her life, you know? And she reads up on everything. The continuing education is something that's very real for her. It's not like, what's the quickest thing I can do and get this over with? She's investigating everything all the time. She has had asked her uh, dentist that she was working for, look, we need, you're buying this cheap mask, which does not protect us. We need a number three. This is the one that, that, that will protect us. There are some masks you can wear that will keep you from impacting on the people around you, but it doesn't protect you. Okay. So you wear a mask and it keeps you from breathing on other people, but again, it won't protect you. And a lot of people don't know that. What? No, I, I heard that on TV last night yeah. that, that, you know, they're hoping the people who are sick are the ones who are wearing the masks because they said a certain type of mask is just going to allow the, the virus right through it. Right. And, and the majority so- of them will do that. So he, because it's more expensive, he didn't want to get it. Now you're talking a few dollars or your employees and your patients' lives. Do you know? And she said, we need to do a deep cleaning on this office. We need to do a deep cleaning. They didn't do it. These are basic things that should happen. Uh, he just got tested. I don't know what the results are, but his girlfriend had like, oh, I don't know, a week and a half or two weeks ago, come back from Vietnam, and uh, they thought it was all rather amusing. And I, it's a very unrealistic attitude for somebody in the healthcare field. Uh, those are the people that need are on the front lines. And you're right; you're not you're not three feet or six feet away from someone. You're inches away from where they're breathing on you. <laughs> you know, like, you well, know. yes, and of course they wear masks anyway. I didn't feel like I was in any danger, but the extra precautions that the dental staff took certainly put me at ease and I was glad that I didn't cancel my appointment, but some people are not going to have that luxury for a while. This is, this is to state it roundly, particular, they're, they're closed, maybe some doctor's offices, non-elective or rather, excuse me, elective surgery, non-essential or elective surgery that can be postponed is not happening. This is changing the way we live. And as I've been telling Uh, Suzanne and the neighbors and people on the phone, we will never forget this time. It is going to have such a psychological impact. And look who I'm talking to, a listenership in Seattle. This is something that you and your kids are never going to forget because it's radically shifting how we relate to each other within a society that is simultaneously all our states, all our territorial possessions and around the world are under assault by something you can't see with the naked eye. Absolutely. And, you know, with the flu epidemic of 1918 is totally different than this because of international trade. So if you start, if countries start closing their ports, you know, and not allowing anything in that they think will, will, will bring in uh, this virus, it stops trade. You stop trade, the world economy comes to a halt. We're in a position that we have never been in before. And this is not the United States or Germany or Italy. 
and God bless the Italians right now. I mean, my heart goes out to my friend Pina has, you know, she's Italian and her relatives. I'm talking to a friend in Scotland while we, we do WhatsApp. And he's telling me the other day uh, that the streets of London are filled with soldiers. They're getting ready to go to martial law. The, uh, this, the military is caravanning into Scotland. Uh, there's, you know, there's very intense things happening. And most of us don't talk to people in other countries. So we're not paying attention to what's happening worldwide. South Korea was, has been very successful in combating this COVID-19. And they have asked Donald Trump twice to call the G20 together and have a teleconference so they can present what worked for them. And do you know what his response was? I'll take it under advisement. So that kind of supports what you were discussing earlier, Gary, in terms of holding off on, on the vaccine. Well, that does make me wonder, yes, and I cannot explain unless it was done out of pure spite. I don't even want to think that's possible at the highest level of our government to <laughs> fire people whose job it was to protect us against the possibility of a pandemic. You know, and this is something that I've had arguments with about. I said, look, the CDC had a whole staff of people that dealt with this and they all got fired. That's right. Now, you know what's interesting, too, what my friend in Scotland told me, and I said to him, what evidence, evidence do you have to back up what you're saying? When he said, well, you know, the flights have been canceled in so many places around the world, except Russia and China, are. Uh, they, there's a lot of traffic back and forth between them. I said, really? That's interesting. And I said, how do you know that? He said, my brother-in-law is a pilot, and he's been checking all the flights around the world. I find that pretty fascinating, don't you? Because Russia is not reporting. And I, this was my other question. So, well, I said, are they just not reporting, you know, uh, cases of, of COVID-19? Or are they not having them? These are things to, to, to you know, well, we have to have to ask the, the pertinent questions. My uh, guess is why? that they're not reporting it. Well, that was to, my first. Yeah. That's my first thought. But you know, they have a real fascination with uh, uh, biological warfare. That's right, yeah. and yeah. that's something they have used before on enemies of the state. They've used, uh, you know, infected people with things to to get rid of them, and this this particular virus reminds me very much of HIV. In what way? Well, because there is some evidence. I talked to a scientist back in the 1980s uh, who was just totally distraught because he had been asked to join a group uh, to create a uh, an illness that they could find a cure for. Well, and they were going to use, uh, you know, uh, different populations as controls. And they thought, well, the gay population would be a good one. Drug addicts would be another good one. And then uh, this group in Africa, right? Well, do you remember how they said, well, this all came about because of the green monkeys? And of course, my immediate was respo response was, who's banging the green monkeys? Do you know, what I, mean? I actually had a nurse say that to me. 
uh -huh. a, a bit more crudely there, but I actually had <laughs> yeah. a, a nurse when I was managing I the cleaned department. It up. She was there. I cleaned it up, Gary. <laughs> well, that's well. This guy said that's what you get for hmm, monkeys yeah. like that, and I thought, wow. And this is a, a professional nurse uh -huh, saying uh -huh. this, you know. But I don't know that it was that particular interaction. But there is a transmissibility between other animals and humans, and apparently that's the case here because some some, some vendor in China decided that bat meat was a good thing to sell in Wuhan, and there you go. Well, that may or may not be true. We don't know that for sure because I don't I don't know that the green monkeys that that anyway, I'm just saying there's some similarities. There's some similarities and he was asked to create this disease and he was distraught. He said, "I should have gone and done that. I could have stopped it." I said, "No, you couldn't have. They'd have gotten rid of you. That's all." Um that's back in the 80s and um it just reminded me of that. That's that. I have no evidence of anything I'm saying. What I'm saying right now about this is strictly conjecture on my part. Okay, just it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just thoughts. Okay, crazy thoughts. All right, Let, we're late. To, let, we're late for our break. So let's go oh, ahead sorry. and take our one break of this hour, our halftime break. We are talking with Susan Harmon, social activist and star in the KKNW Firmament, whose show will follow ours by um, uh, an hour after uh, the Christine Upchurch show. And we'll be back. Gary and I will come back with Susan Harmon and, and complete the conversation. And if people are interested show. in hearing a lot of venting, oh boy, we could go on all day. But the fact is, Suzette, I did want to mention that I found an article courtesy of a link sent to me by Eric Kramer of 1150 AM KKNW. He wanted me to see that there is some good news in this equation, and I'm prepared to read from an article that he kindly sent to me so that we can change the mood a little bit. How's that sound? Let's change the mood a little bit, but let's take a break first, and we will be back uh, after a brief break, and thank you for staying with us on uh, Manson Mitchell on 1150kknw.com. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who... Worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone... Growing up where I did, 
a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomes Shepard Siegel, author of Disruptive Play on how the trickster works in politics and culture. On Saturday, Susan Messina returns with insights into the secrets of the universe, universal laws, energies, frequencies, and vibrations. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Life during wartime. It has become, rather spontaneously, an anthem. You listen to it on YouTube, people have their comments. Does it not remind you of what we are going through around the world today and very acutely in our own United States of America, talking heads in life during wartime? I will forever associate that song with what we are going through right now. Susan Harmon is our guest. We've been doing a lot of venting. I want to provide some good news. I mean, yeah, venting has its place, but you don't want to just swim in a cesspool of bad news and, and negative opinions because Correct. ultimately that's not very helpful. Get it out of the way and then look for the good news. Two, two quick things. Susan Harmon, uh, please let our listeners know once more, even though they probably already know, but what, <laughs> when is your show on KKNW? And also, what is your website if they would like to connect with you? High noon Pacific time. <laughs> Susan Harmon experience. I come on at 12 o'clock uh, noon on Pacific. That would be 3 p.m. in the afternoon Eastern. Uh, yeah, and and I agree with you, Gary. I, you know, I'm always looking for positive things. I like to try to bring up a few things to get people to think about, and then let's say what are what are actual practical solutions you can do. And and I just quickly before you read other good news, uh, I had a friend send me this from UNICEF that I thought was really good. So the coronavirus, when it falls on the fabric remains nine hours. So washing clothes or being exposed to the sun for two hours meets the purpose of killing it. So if you come in from out, you know, out out, out in the public, because a lot of people have to be out in the public to make a living, take off your clothes, throw them in the washing machine, and then dance naked around the house. No. <laughs> as long as you're not dancing naked around the office. Around the house. Well, it depends on the office. I don't know. So, I've got an article I'd like to read here that I, uh, again, courtesy of Eric Kramer, there in the front office, he wanted us to focus on some good news. I think that's a great suggestion. MSN.com is where it appeared, but the information largely comes from the World Health Organization. So let me read this to you. I'm just going to read it from the start. The novel coronavirus news is scary. We get it. Headlines continuously read distressing news regarding the virus so we can all take advanced safety measures to protect not just ourselves, but also those around us. Yet, there's a handful of worldwide news doling out glimmers of hope in the midst of frightening times, and that's important too. So we, they, rounded up all the good news about the virus worth catching up on. 
And you're invited to read on and click through the slideshow above, which you can't do on the radio, but there are happy headlines that they were highlighting in this article. Point one of about 80,000 people sick from COVID-19 in China, more than 70% have recovered and okay. been discharged from hospitals. Per the World Health Organization last week, of the 80,000 reported COVID-19 cases in China, more than 70% have recovered and been discharged. And by the way, before I get to point two here, isn't it fascinating, especially if you look at it in terms of time-lapse photography, over in China, they know how to mobilize people. They built a hospital that can serve, was it, I'm sorry? They can't hear you when you're, <laughs> what, no, Suzanne? Go ahead and finish. Well, just that the China, they mobilized their resources and they built, I'm, I'm trying to remember how many people, it was like a, at least 1,000 or 10,000 beds, should have looked that up there, uh, but thousands <laughs> of beds. And they did this in the course of how long, Suzanne? I thought it was two weeks. Yeah. It can be yeah. done. Yeah. And you see all this big earth moving equipment, all this material coming in. Yep. And they have, of course, they have people power in China. And so they put them to the best possible use and they erected this fully functioning hospital. It's not like a mash hospital out in bum, fu uh, bum uh, fudge wherever. There, It's a matter of they did this in a location that is not that remote. And yet they're able to bring in all of the equipment a lot of it new. They were able to staff it fully and start helping patients right away. That is extraordinary response. And I would, I think that if we could, using the Army Corps of Engineers as a matter of fact, Hello. if we could take a page from them, we would be able to work wonders because Americans have know-how, we have an innate optimism, and we have man and woman power to get the job done. And you know what? Remember, I don't know if you guys remember during Standing Rock, they called the veterans to come and help and thousands more showed up than they than they were able to handle. So many veterans want to serve their country in a really positive way. Just imagine if you called up the veterans and said, we need manpower to build hospitals, like say in maybe even three or four regions of the United States, right? 10,000 beds here, Ten, you know? Yeah. You don't think that we wouldn't have these people show up saying, I'm here, I'm ready to work, I want to do this. Yes, yeah, but I did want to read an article, of the lead anyway, from the Wall Street Journal. This story was filed February 6th, it seems like an eternity ago. February 6th, Wall Street Journal. China on Thursday completed the second of two new hospitals in Wuhan, the city at the heart of the coronavirus outbreak, in a matter of days to help combat the fast-spreading virus. The outbreak is straining the resources of Wuhan's frontline hospital staff who have been forced to turn patients away because of a lack of beds and basic supplies. The 1,000-bed Huo Shenchan facility on which construction began January 23 received its first patients Monday. Now, this story in the WSJ is February 6, okay? A thousand bed hospital up and running. The 1600 bed Lei Shenshan Hospital, which broke ground January 25, was finished Thursday, according to China's state-run Xinhua News Agency. It was less than two weeks ago that plans for the hospital's construction were first announced. Bravo. That two is weeks. extraordinary. Two, yeah, in under two. And we, and we can do that. We can do that. 
You know, I mean, you know, I've had people say, well, we can't do what they do in China because they have a centralized government. No, we can do it. We can. The Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, yeah, the they're, they're incredible. New York has called for that. They can do a lot there. I mean, my goodness, if you go back in American history, look at what happened December 7, 1941. We were trying to stay out of that damn war. It was over in Europe. It was in Asia. We didn't want any part of it. And then we had to mobilize. We had yeah. to declare war. And you saw mobilization like nothing America had ever achieved before. We're talking about an invisible enemy, but the need is clearly there. And we do have the resources. We have the resources. There's a lot of things from the 1940s we should look at again, like Franklin Roosevelt wanting a second Bill of Rights. Uh, you know, look it up, people. Anyway, uh, yeah, we can do this. We are an incredible people. Humanity in itself, human beings are amazingly creative, amazingly. And we can come up with all kinds of things and we can we can wipe this thing out really quickly if we just work together. If, if we work together and also, and this is what makes this such a pivotal point in American history. Yes, we need to work together. And this is a presidential election year. One third of the United States Senate will be decided. Every seat in the House of Representatives, their governors, as in Washington state, who will be chosen. You have to choose. Are you going to sit this one out? I the, never do. I, I never do either. I never no. do either. And and I'll tell you what, here's the question to ask yourself. Who has the best interest of the people, not their donors, but of the people at heart? That's the question you have to ask before you make a decision. Are they going to care about you and the and the working class? You know, we 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 talked earlier about Look, measuring the economy by Wall Street or measuring it by the working class people. When you have people that are working two or three jobs, you know, just struggling and, you know, the burden is put on the working class, that's not a, a good, solid economy. Go back to what Franklin Roosevelt said in the 1940s about the Second Bill of Rights, that every, every person in the country should have health care, uh, a home to live in, and a living wage. Now, that's just part of it. You know, so we can do this, don't you think? I th there's a point I, I think thinking strategically right. and tactically. Yes, but it's really not even a question anymore, is it, Susan? We have to do it. We have to do it. We are compelled to do it. You know, I mean, and if we don't, what's the uh, what's the alternative? We just sink down into the mire. You want to talk about the swamp? We're all in it. You know, we're all in the swamp. I think about they're looking at this um, the the bell curve of the virus, and I and I understand the concept of flattening the curve. When yes. you when you allow the apex, the top of that point, the highest point of the um, of the illnesses and the deaths to reach into the tens of thousands or more, um, that is. That is a pretty daunting, frightening experience. And there was that one family in New Jersey that lost four members, four members after a family gathering who died from the coronavirus. So I understand the concept of let's not let it get so high. Let It's going to be a bump, but let's keep it as low as we possibly can. 
and, and uh, take precautions. And you can look at the numbers and say, well, worldwide, it's a low number because you have billions of people. It's still a number that we have to deal with. And, you know, it doesn't matter to uh, John and Joe if their family member, Mary, uh, is just a small number of deaths. It's the person they love. And so... When I've heard people say, oh, well, we'll get rid of all the old people because they're in the way anyway, I'm like, <clears throat> you need to take another look at the st statistics because the 25 to 40-year-olds are getting this disease too. That is true. Yes, there's a trend in hospitalizations among younger people. There's so, when, when you hear at the level of the street people saying things, and, and I hope it's very few, but you it actually heard it said that this virus is the boomer remover. Well, thank you all to hell. <laughs> you know what? I just let that stuff roll off of me. You know, I, it just doesn't even bother me at all because I have so many millennial friends, you know, that the only th issue I have with them is like, no, you have a social contract as well as living your life as best you can, and you still need to participate as a member of society. <laughs> yes, we do. We're going to chew on this with you on your show, Susan. I can't wait. Yep, and that comes on at noon right after the Christine Upchurch show. You've got the Susan Harmon experience with Manson Mitchell joining her for part two. So stay with us. Stay tuned. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.